Good morning. We are uh, this morning in James chapter 2, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, uh, that's where we'll be this morning. We are in this uh, sermon series entitled uh, 2020 Vision. Throughout this sermon series, we've been trying to look at uh, just what the church is supposed to look like. Uh, what, What are we striving for? What is it that we are gathering for? What unites us in our faith? And so... Uh, James chapter 2 deals with an issue of uh, inclusion, exclusion, uh, deals with an issue of favoritism. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, this morning as we open up our Bibles to James chapter 2. My brothers, as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or or sit at the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom of God he promised those who love him? But you've insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him whom you belong If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, the one that says love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing what is right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said don't murder. If you commit adultery but you don't commit murder, have you, you have become a lawbreaker. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to be in your house this morning. Grateful to sing these songs that glorify and magnify your name. We're grateful that these songs are sung in different languages that that speak to the fact of who you are, a God to the world, not just the English-speaking world, not to people who, who have a certain color of skin, but the God of all the world. And we pray in unity, Lord, that you will guide and lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit as we study this text today. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. According to the Urban Institute, 20% of Americans rely on governmental assistance like SNAP or Medicaid. And if uh, you're really good at math, you've probably figured out that 60 million Americans. And on top of those 60 million Americans are 13 million people who live under the poverty level but do not receive 
governmental system. That's 73 million Americans. And those numbers are bad, right? We don't want people to live in poverty. What I'm trying to give you a picture of is the problem that is in the Roman Empire. While 20% is a high number, and in, in 60 to, to 73 million people is a lot of people, imagine living in a culture where 90% of the population lives in poverty. 90% of the Roman Empire lived in poverty. In fact, it was so bad that 28% of the population completely relied on someone else just to have their needs met. Their needs met. Food, shelter, clothing. 28% of the population, people like unattached widows, unskilled day laborers, orphans, the disabled, were just a few of the people group who were the poorest of the poor in the early church. And they responded quickly to the need. In fact, the greatest attraction of the early church was the practice and behaviors of the people. Their generosity, their kindness was felt across the empire, leading to an incredible growth. But their generosity and their kindness were not without problems. Evidently, in James's day and in his circumstance, the poor were treated as second-class citizens in their community. The Corinthians, if you remember, also dealt with this problem. In 1 Corinthians 11, 20 to 22, Paul writes, So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's supper you eat, for when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry, another person gets drunk. And Paul says, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Favoritism was evidently a problem in parts of the first century. And I want to take a time this morning to evaluate how we can have radical inclusion that I believe James hopes the church would embrace. If you want to follow along your notes, write this down. I think, I think James would call us to be unprejudiced people. I think James would call us to be unprejudiced people. I don't think anyone in this room would ever want to admit that we treat people differently based on how they look. But it happens all the time in our world, does it not? And it happened all the time in their world. In fact, the religious elite were prejudiced against Jesus Christ. They called the Son of God demon-possessed 
And Jesus responds in John 7. He said, stop judging me. Stop judging everyone else. Stop judging by mere appearances. But instead, he says, judge correctly. So stop judging by mere appearances, but judge correctly. What, which means we shouldn't jump to conclusions, right? Somehow these religious elites thought Jesus was healing people and driving out demons by the power of Satan. That was the wrong conclusion to jump to, right? If they would just stop judging and start listening, maybe their opinion of Jesus might change. Think for a moment about how the world teaches us how to judge. Have you ever judged someone by their weight? Have you ever judged someone by, uh, by their economic status? Have you ever made assumptions about people based on the color of their skin? Have you ever judged someone based on their political affiliation? Ooh. A woman told me once that she was visiting a church all by herself, and she watched as they swooned over this young family who was also visiting for the first time, but ignored her. Have you ever judged someone by their relational status? I think James hoped the church would denounce and repent from any act of favoritism and prejudice, and that they would embrace a different kind of love. Let's look at that. So we, we, we're called to be unprejudiced people, but we're also called to be loving people. I think it's not super hard to give food to the homeless. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort. We have these bags of hope out here that Jeff and Anna have put together in the lobby. You just put it in your car, and when you come across someone who's asking for food, you just hand it out the window, right? It's super easy. Or maybe you're in Market Square and someone asks you for food. I mean, Subway's right there. What is that, five, six, seven dollars? You could get them a foot-long sub. Five minutes out of your time. Ten bucks tops. And you fed the homeless. But you know what's hard? I was at Soccer Taco in Market Square. And I was meeting with a friend and there was this homeless lady who walked in. She was, she was mumbling to herself. She was filthy. And she smelled bad. And she sat right next to me. Right next to me at the bar. She asked the waiter for some extra chips. And he rolled his eyes and didn't even respond to her. He just walked back to the kitchen and he brought out a, what looked like a pre-made bag for her. This must happen often. And I was trying to pay attention to the conversation with my friend, but out of the corner of my eye, I saw some commotion behind me because a guy behind me at the table asked if he could buy her a taco to go with those chips. That's the easy part, right? It doesn't take much effort to buy someone a taco. What came next was hard. 
He asked her her name. He began to engage with her in conversation. I'm not going to lie. It was awkward. I think she had a mental disability. She mumbled a lot. She repeated herself a lot, was swaying back and forth. But he persisted, and he engaged this woman in the most awkward conversation I've ever heard. So you can be compassionate. You can be generous. But there's also love. I don't think the early church struggled with generosity. I think they took care of the needs of people. I think what James's audience struggled with was seeing the poor as human beings and equals. Come on now. Equals. His audience struggled with love that goes beyond just meeting needs. They could have said, now you got your meal already today. We've already fed you. You got a roof over your head. Sit over there, you smell bad. For James, he wanted a community who refused good seats to the rich. And we all know in our church what the best seats are. They're in the back rows, amen? They don't leave the front for the, the poor. For the Corinthians, it was a community that would share in a potluck. <laughs> for the church in Jerusalem, it was taking care of the Grecian widows, even though they were different ethnicity. And when James says we must keep the royal law, he actually quotes Jesus Christ himself in Matthew 22. When Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, who treated the homeless woman at Soccer Taco with the kind of love? Was it the, the waiter who ignored her, went back to the kitchen and gave her chips? Was it the pastor who was just eavesdropping? Or was it this guy who loved her? James calls us to announce and repent from favoritism, and he calls us to a different kind of love. And let's reread 12 and 13 so we can discuss fully what it means to have mercy. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. The word mercy literally means price paid. It's the combination of forgiveness, benevolence, and kindness. To love your neighbor as yourself, you probably need to have a combination of forgiveness, benevolence, and kindness. And when we fail to show mercy, we're actually choosing judgment and hate. Uh, mercy can be forgiving someone who has wronged you. But I think in this context, I think mercy is showing kindness and compassion despite the person's place in life. You see, when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, 
He was breaking down walls of judgment and hate. You see, the Samaritan people broke away from Israel, and they broke away from the Jews by disobeying God's command and, and treating the Israelites poorly when they were plundered and destroyed. They didn't like each other. They had a long history of doing harm to one another. But in Jesus' parable, he tells the Jewish listeners about a Samaritan, the ones they hate, who was merciful, benevolent, and kind. This Samaritan saw a Jewish man beaten and left to die on the side of the road, and he cared for his wounds, he paid for his stay, and made sure he could rest in a hotel. I'm sure this caused all kinds of emotions for the listeners, right? All kinds of emotions. They grew up with these racial prejudices against the Samaritans. And now Jesus was telling them, you got to be more like that Samaritan. Jesus presents a picture of radical change. James presents a picture of radical change, radical inclusion. He, he calls us to denounce our prejudices, to love deeply, to be kind and merciful. So let's think about this. And this is where it hits home. If you want to be more like Jesus where you live, where you work, and where you play, we've got to be radically inclusive. Who have you judged recently because of their appearance? Who have you judged recently because of their political affiliation, their economic status, or even their lifestyle? Are you willing to eat with, to fellowship with, or even worship with someone who is different than you. If not, maybe you have passed up an opportunity to be merciful. And today is a day for rededication. I think it's important as we move into our time of communion, as you hold that bread and as you hold that juice, that you think about God's grace and the recipients of God's grace. I think a lot of times we, we personalize it, right? Because I fail. You all fail, right? I mean, except for Amanda. Amanda doesn't fail. We all fail, right? We all fall short of the glory of God. And so we, we personalize it. Think about our sins, Think about the sins that have been forgiven, and we, we give God praise and glory. But this morning, beyond that, will you also think about those you've judged? As you drove here? As you left work? Those you've judged who are also recipients of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for this world, not for you, not just for you, not just for your white face. He died for the world. 
Would you be willing to do the same? Father, as we take time to think about what James wanted us to do for just anyone, regardless of the status they had in life, we're we're to do more than just feed. We're to do more than just be kind. Lord, you've called us to love. And you showed us the greatest example of love on the cross. All I can say is help us. Please help us. Help us to love as you've called us to love. Help us to denounce prejudice the way you've called us. And and help us to be merciful as you've been merciful to us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.